Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will start this podcast by wishing you a happy Independence Day. Um, happy Independence Day to one and all. I hope you have a great day, a great weekend and uh, you know, um, you're going to enjoy the moment, um, you know, wave your flags and and just heal, heal and, and, and share the day of peace and, and harmony uh, with your fellow, with your neighbors, your fellow Indians. Um, I like to say India, we, we talk about India all the time, but in reality we are Bharat. We know very well that the Indian constitution says Bharat, we are Bharatiya. And Bharat is a great civilization, it's not just a country, it's a civilization, it's as ancient as 5,000 years. So this is just one cycle, one of the many cycles in our long, long history. We can go back 10,000 years and we will still see a Bharat that existed. So in this present cycle, um, we've come out of, of, a, uh, of, a, of a depth, of a dark hole, and it's just one of the dark holes that we will see in the cycles to come, because like I always say, we're cycling. So uh, let's, however, still... Uh, say you know, give thanks to the to the journey that we have gone through, the the light that has come out of the darkness, um, and then enjoy the moment. I wish you all a lot of healing, a lot of peace, and may you all uh, we all learn from our mistakes of the past, our errors that we have made, and um, go on and move on uh, to a better life. Okay. Um, Thank you so very much uh, for joining me today and for taking this time to listen to this podcast because I know it's a public holiday and all of you enjoying yourselves. Don't drink and drive, fellas, um, but enjoy yourself all the same. So uh, we just quickly go to some of the achievements of India during this uh, during this uh, time, the last 75 years. It has been turbulent, but we've also achieved a lot of things. We were... 333 million at partition, 396 million at in 1946, 333 million after partition, a partition that should have never happened with the mistake of our Congress leaders and Jinnah. Um, and absolutely, we have never taken the, um, the, responsibility, the responsibility for it. We've blamed everything on the British, but it was our sole and full responsibility um, that it happened, and after partition, we were 333 million. Um, very, very important to understand that. We, our literacy rate at that point was 12%. Um, 12% of literacy rate, uh, we just had about 28 medical colleges, 33 engineering colleges. Uh, we embarked on an education drive. Uh, our problem was that we increased our population fourfold. So from 333 million, we got to 1.4 billion. That's a lot, and that was a big mistake made by our leadership uh, of the time, the Socialist Marxist Indian National Congress, who gave the right uh, of a uh, blank check 
to the mullahs and tullahs who who and and our padres and pundits who ruled the land from the back door and allowed them to decide to indoctrinate our people and taking uh, telling them that children come from God because of that we multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and we've gone to 1.4 billion so it's it's like changing the goalpost every time we go to a place we achieve something we get more and more uh, more and more populated but in spite of that we've got uh, a huge a massive literacy rate, an education rate. It's not the best education in the world. Um, we've got a socialist Marxist education that's left out everything of our Vedic civilization. But at the same time, we have got a lot of people on board and it'll take two, three generations to, to change the mentality and to rise up and automatically we will join the dots ourselves. This is what we're doing right now with technology, with the internet. We're, we're, we're joining dots, sharing posts, uh, sharing knowledge and we are healing slowly and slowly and embarking on this journey of knowledge ourselves this has been the 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 base foundational base of of the bharatiya civilization um we we are a land of the vedas vedas means knowledge knowledge of astronomy uh because we are cosmic and education has always been the forefront of this land and the ancestors who walked this land. We have given education to millions of people all over the world, even in the ancient times, our universities of Nalanda and Takshila and Vikramaditya uh, universities. Um, I think it was Vikramaditya, I'm not sure of the name. But uh, yes, we have had universities that gave that scholars and, and students from all over the world, from China and everywhere, place to study. We still do. And education and knowledge is the basis and foundation of the Bharatiya civilization. And we have continued on this drive, getting better and better with every generation. Um, it's India is now a democratic state, except for 22 months in the year when Indira Gandhi was losing power. What did she do? She declared an emergency, very much like a, um, very much like um, Trudeau uh, in Canada, who was almost losing his power in the beginning of the year and and uh, shook in in his pants and and was scared to decide, to know what was happening. Um, he he didn't want to lose power. He was so scared of losing power, so he declared an emergency. Uh, he didn't stop the government, but because he was in power, his 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 um, he very quickly consolidated his uh, his power and emergency powers uh, to stop and put roadblocks for the for the people who went against him and declared all of them uh, as fascist and and corrupt and terrorist and blah 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 his name calling similarly indira gandhi was losing power she declared an emergency for 22 months uh that's almost two years um if i'm not mistaken and beyond that we have been a democratic country not anything else uh chaotic democracy democracy but but a, a a strong democracy and getting better all the time since 2014 yes we've had a better democracy because 
we're more stable, we're more educated, we're able to voice our opinions, we're able to take our politicians to the task, and it's got better with, uh, with, with Modi, and I'm sorry for those who do not agree with me, uh, just because their socialism has lost power doesn't mean democracy has failed. It, democracy has come better because under socialism we never had power, we never had a voice, a voice was criminalized, and now we have a voice, we're able to say what we want to say. Uh, so democracy has got better with time, like 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 aged wine, uh, it, it always gets better. Um, India went into space. Uh, our space program is one of the greatest in the world. Um, after 17 years of independence, uh, we embarked on the space program uh, with rockets on our cycles. Um, and and kudos to all those who who invested in this, even when there was no money. Um, but yes, we, we definitely, uh, India has def definitely one of the greatest space agencies in the world. Um, the CIA put a, killed a lot of our scientists, our nuclear scientists, um, space uh, scientists, to uh, block, put a roadblock on in India's nuclear and space program. Um, and we know that happened. Uh, the CIA has done everything to stop us because they were allies of, of Pakistan uh, and they were against Russia. But uh, guess what? Uh, we still maintained our status quo and, and we're sending people to Mars today. And that is kudos and hats off to all the scientists in the nuclear program. So from zero to hero, uh, my hats off to Indian nuclear scientists. And at this moment, I'd like to remember one very important person, the, the father, the president of the people, Dr. Abdul Kalam. Um, and his leadership, his legacy will never go. He will be one of the great leaders of this land, Dr. Abdul Kalam, the former president of India. And we miss him at this moment. We wish he was here. Um, and we will always be, in, we will always be uh, inspired by his legacy. And thank you to him and his journey and his hard work. Um, India is the world's pharmacy. Um, that is another... Um, achievement. India has always been the world's pharmacy. India has always been the heart of the medical world. Uh, you can go back in history 2,000 years ago and we know uh, we have had, um, we have had um, universities here, medical systems here on the, in, the, on, on, in Bharat and people from all over the world came for our medicinal history, our Ayurveda and it has done, um, it has really, um, we, we've always helped and provided medical assistance to the planet, we've provided medicines for the planet, uh, students from all over the world came to study at these universities. She was always great. And that those currents still form the waves today. Today, India is the pharmacy of the world, helping more than 200 countries, uh, providing, um, providing vaccinations. Uh, it, it is uh, an achievement no other country can match, no other land can match. Um, she has she has now embarked on a great uh, COVID vaccination drive untouched by anyone. Um, in when she got when she got when India got uh, independence in 1947, uh, malaria killed 500 children a day. Polio uh, people were getting paralyzed. Uh, in the 1990s, late 90s, uh, polio was eradicated. India eradicated smallpox, and you see her medical system is 
is is haphazard okay not everyone has had access to it it's expensive but because our, we keep producing children and not enough hospitals but the system is still worked in some sense that if we can eradicate polio provide such uh, vaccination drives we can eradicate we can help with the with the malaria and and smallpox we have come somewhere we have done something so kudos to all the medical doctors and the gurus and our ancient teachers of medicine uh, we remember you all at this junction in life and we say thank you for the sacrifice that you've you've taken you've undertaken to help those who can't help themselves and we salute you thank you and we hope that our medical system will get better uh, India's economy is one of the five top economies of the world it will get better going on while uh, the while America and the United States will go down slowly with its debt load Europe will go down we're cyclic no one goes down forever it goes down and comes up but India is getting only better Our economy was um, 230 rupees per person uh, in 1947 today we are some of the greatest it's the greatest nation uh, most strongest and and nation one of the most strongest nations in, in GDP wise and in economies um, we're producing goods and services selling across the world in 1947 we were importing everything uh, right now we are we are we are making producing make in India we are exporting to the all nations of the planet and absolutely this is uh, she is a miracle in it, in herself and 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 kudos and and hats off to the people of the land not the governments the governments make the rules and regulations yes but if it was not the people uh, if it was not the people we wouldn't have this country we are a very hard-working country we are a country that is dedicated to knowledge dedicated to healing dedicated to empowering her people and the world and dedicated to making the world a better place not invading the planet and uh, she has a right to be happy today her people need to pat herself in the back it is absolutely fantastic um, and and yes I I give my hats off to all my fellow Indians whatever the labels we we use um, it's an empowered land uh, we were not allowed during my time we were not allowed to know how great she was we were only indoctrinated in colonial uh, education of of the Christians uh, I went to a Christian school we were co educated in colonial knowledge uh, and state-sponsored Marxist knowledge without giving us any empowerment with making us sh feel ashamed of ourselves we were never allowed to have this joy of being Indian we were always denigrated and chastised to be lower than uh, little uh, smaller than ashamed of ourselves we were taken away our pride and we were all, always in, indoctrinated with fear and negative reinforcement today we are seeing that pride in, in Narendra Modi the Prime Minister the Honorable Prime Minister of India has given us pride back uh, except for those Marxists who cry all the time she has given us our pride back and we are very very happy with that uh, even if from far away in the world we are happy to have this knowledge so um, I am going to use this day of, uh, of uh, this junction in life this freedom uh, day of independence to empower ourselves with more knowledge to heal and um, 
and, and to go forward. I'm going to talk to you about three temples, ancient Vedic temples that have been on this land we call Bharat for hundreds of years. We were never given this knowledge. We are today. And, um, and, and that's why I want to talk to you about it. Now, in the ancient days, these temples were universities, my friends. Every single temple was a university. They had a school system surrounding it and the neighboring villages used their revenue from their produce to help to, to pay for the education of the children of this temple. All the money from the temple went to educating the, the children. Today, the temples are under, under the hand of the government of India and the government of India takes our money and she does not educate her, her, her children uh, in the knowledge of her Vedic ancestors. In, instead, she's done everything to clamp down and to destroy her Vedic heritage. She's done everything to embark and impose a Marxist, sec a Marxist communist uh, heritage on us, leaving out our Vedic knowledge. Um, and, and that's why these temples are slowly crumbling and this land is slowly crumbling. And it is important to us to understand our temples. It's important to us to get back our knowledge and to heal from the inside because we, we need to heal. We need to reconcile ourselves from deep, deep spiritual, deep, deep level from the inside and, and, and nothing can change that uh, without getting back our knowledge and freeing these temples. And today I ask you to make a commitment to go visit these temples. You don't need to put any money because the money is not going into these temples. It's going in the hands of the government. But if you could use that government to help any Pope, any money to, to um, help the people to volunteer, to clean the area of the temple, to, um, to uh, volunteer for empowering that temple, for feeding or, or subsidizing any education of the poor people around that temple uh, and making sure that the temple is clean, that the, the area around the temple is clean and, and the people there are empowered with knowledge, educated, um, you know, uh, they have tools and opportunities to be to be to receive education and if you could use your money and your your collections to help those people not just blindly put money to a temple where which is not doing anything for the surrounding areas like in the ancient times and that's why we were the seat of knowledge uh, on the planet and the world came to uh, Bharat shows today uh, we are lacking in that system we've given up our, our rights and our and our heritage to a socialist, a communist ecosystem, and we have to get it back by doing it ourselves. So we have to put our money where our mouth is and use it to help the people who live around these temples, the small villages and the small uh, districts around us. We see people who are uneducated, who are struggling for education, volunteer to help them by the internet or uh, help their uh, expenses for then for uh, any education or education expenses that they have. So we're going to talk about three temples today and hopefully we can um, we can inspire you to to go and visit these temples if you have a chance but Vedic temples are absolutely beautiful we need to get them back um, not only uh, physically but uh, financially emotionally intellectually and heal so we're going to talk about the virupaksha temple today um the virupaksha temple 
believed to be uh, believed to functioning uh, uninterruptedly since the 7th century AD. It is the oldest uh, and the principal temple in Hampi. This is easily one of the oldest functioning temples in India as well. Uh, this temple is located in the south bank of the river Tunga Badra, just next to where the local bus stops you. This area is general um, in general, it has been an important pilgrimage center for worshippers of Lord Shiva. Uh, Virupaksha Temple is equally sought of by tourists and pilgrims. The annual festivals attract huge crowds of both types. The very origin of Hampi uh, history as a sacred place revolves around the myths uh, with this temple, it's believed that this temple has been functioning uninterruptedly ever since its inception in the 7th century AD. This one makes it one of the oldest functioning temples in India. The original worship place was a few separate humble uh, shrines um, housing the image of God uh, of uh, Shiva uh, and his deities. Over the centuries, the temple gradually expanded into a sprawling complex with many large uh, which um, a complex with many large shrines, pillared halls, flagged lampposts, towered gateways, and even a temple kitchen. You can access the temple's main bazaar entrance tower through chariot streets in the front row, properly called as Humpy Bazaar. This east-facing tower uh, leads you to the first courtyard of the temple complex, the pastel painted nine-story tower with a pair of cow horns uh, like projections on the top is the most prominent landmark in Hampi. The two lower tiers of the tower is, um, is elaborated in stonework. The progressively diminishing structure is made of brick and mortar. All around the exterior of this first tier spots many interesting stucco figures. You may get some you may get to some distance from the base of the tower to see all of them. For example, the erotic figures of the Amorous couples located at the south side of the tower. Such icons connected with fertility rites are considered auspicious on a phil philosophical ground. You can view them from the southward going alley um, from, the, from this entrance to the tower. These stucco figures are located at the bottom row of the of the stucco, oh, well, uh, these stucco figures are located at the bottom row. The main temple is east facing and has two large courtyards, one, e one leading to uh, the other. You directly enter the first courtyard through the tower mentioned above. This courtyard mainly has a pillared hall called 100 Column Hall at the far left corner. Uh, Kalyan Mantapa at the far right corner, administrative offices, the ticket counter, the police outpost, and even an old well. A kitchen complex, um, a kitchen complex projects out of the compound overlapping the two courts of the south wall. A narrow passage on the wall of the hundred pillared hall gives access to the kitchen. The water channel system connected, connected to the nearby river is built in into the floor of the kitchen complex you can see the remains of the feeding channels uh, outside the southwest corner of the temple just next to your left immediately after you have entered you can see the unusual triple head nandi the bull statue behind this wall it's painted uh, with a large map of humpy with the main attractions marked 
Towards your right, close to the tower, is a police outpost. Foreign tourists are requested to register their details. This is a simple process of entering your name and details in the register book kept at this office. You may register it at any time and not a prerequisite to enter the temple. Further uh, forward east towards the second tower, you find the ticket counter and the shoe safekeeping uh, booth, uh, souvenir stalls, and a good collection of books and maps and humpy. This three-story tower built in 1510 AD is known as after its patron, Krishna Deva Raya, one of the famous kings of the empire. From the ticket counter close to the star, you can buy entry tickets. The tower gives access to the inner court. On entering this, you could meet uh, an important temple. Uh, inmate of the temple, give one rupee coin in, um, and you can get a smooth a smooch on the head, treated as a blessing. In the middle of the court, uh, along the axis facing the main shrine, is the lamppost, the bali pitas, flagpost, and whitewashed pavilions in which two nandi bulls are, are positioned. Around the open area are pillared cloisters, leaving gaps at the north and south east edges for a series of um, sub-shrines uh, facing a portion of the cloister is lined with a row of decorated pillars. The lion's figure carved on the base of each of these pillars seems supporting the slender upper portions. Uh, most striking feature of this court is the central pillar hall known as the Ranga Mandapa, adding, added to the temple complex in 1510 AD by Krishna Deva Raya. Two mythical lions like creatures form the uh, balustrade of the entrance to the elevated open pavilion and you can enter the pavilion on your right um, uh, as you enter the pavilion on your right there is an inscribed plaque with nandi image on the top probably explains the royal patronage the temple enjoyed this hall uh with five aisles and 38 pillars is used for temple rituals including the marriage ceremonies uh, the highlights include rows of pillars shaped with rampant, rampant irons like mythical structure. Um, the mural panel uh, on the central portion of the hall is one of the few remains of this form of Vijayanagar art. Most of it is based on godly themes except one. Here are the founder sage of the empire, Vid. Vida Rayana is portrayed moving in this procession. The sanctum contains idol of Lord Virupaksha in the form of Linga. The two narrow porches on either side of the hall can be used to get in. The surrounding principal shrines shrine are the shrines of Virupaksha, consort and deities. Um, and, and thereby, uh, yeah, that's just a portion of what I wanted to tell you. It's a long, long uh, write-up. Um... You can witness the daily temple rituals and ceremonies in the mornings and evenings. The temple opens before sunrise and closes at night. Usually the sanctum is closed to the noon, closed in the noon. So entry into the campus may not be possible at this point of time. It's a beautiful place, my friends. Please go see it. A volunteer to, to help clean the place up around uh, if you can and volunteer to help the people around if they're poor to get an education because these temples were ancient centers of knowledge universities of knowledge where they were taught science they were taught astronomy today we're not allowed to learn that and it's time to go back to our roots and really get freedom freedom from ignorance and, and freedom to be a beautiful civilization once again like our ancestors
Uh, the next temple is in Gwalior, the Sha Sh uh, Shastra Bahu Temple. Uh, or Shashbu Temple, also called the Sasbahu, Sasbahu Temple. Um, sometimes called the Hari Sadanam Temple. It's an 11th century twin temple in Gwalior, Mad uh, Madhya Pradesh, uh, near the Gwalior Fort, uh, dedicated to Vishnu in the Padmanabha uh, form. Uh, like most Hindu and Jain temples in this region, it is mostly in ruins and, and badly damaged from numerous invasions and, and, and wars, Islamic wars in this region. It was built in 1093 by King Mahipala at uh, Kachapaghata uh, Kacha dynasty, according to the inscriptions found in the larger twin temple. The twin temples are situated in the Gwalior Fort. The temple tower and sanctum has been destroyed but its architecture and damaged carvings are still appreciated from its ruins. The Jag Jagapati platform is 100 meters uh, long, 63 meters wide, and, and a square plan. The temple was three-storied, which is one of its distinguished features of sophistication. It followed central cluster concept, states Adam Hardy. The surviving elements of the temple are the entrance porch and mandapa. According to James Harley, through the Prasada Tower no longer exists. Uh, the triple story plan with a cruciform foundation and balcony suggests that it has it had a North Indian Bhumija style structure. The style states uh, it states is marked as a well proportioned superstructure. It's regularly arranged with subordinate shikara, shikaras strung out as giant gigantic bearded garlands. Uh, the twin temple, like elsewhere in India, is located has locally been called Sasbahu Temple. The word Sasbahu means mother-in-law or bride, and mother-in-law or mother with her daughter-in-law, an association that implies that this being towards together and interdependent. The Sas Temple is typically larger, older temple of the twin. Uh, the Sasbahu temples follows the style. Both temples are dedicated to Vishnu. Um, only Sas Temple has survived its form. Uh, the Bahu is a shell structure of the original one story which high on a dough frame and dedicated wall reefs. Reminiscence of the Bahu temple at Gwalior suggested it may have been a smaller version of the Sas temple. The Sas has a square sanctum attached to a rectangular two stories Antara, Antarala and close three story Mandapa with three entrances. The temple's main entrance porch has four carved Ruchakas, a gut. Pallava style pillars that were loud bearing. The walls and lintels are intricately carved, though much defaced. On the lint on the lintel of the uh, entrances, friezes of friezes of Krishna Leela scenes are carved inside, with outside narrate legends of other Hindus above the lintel Garuda, the Vahana of Vishnu. The Bahu temple has also a square sanctum with four central pillars. Its Maha Mandapa is also square. The temple, like most Malwa and Rajputana historic temples, provide multiple entrances to, to the devotee. The roof out consists of two rotated squares that intersect to form an octagon capped by successive overlapping circles. The pillars have octagonal bases as well, with girls carved, but these have been defaced and multifaced. The sanctum has an image of damaged Vishnu, next to whom stands the Brahma holding the Vedas on one side and Shiva holding the trident on the other side. 
So that, my dear friends, is a Sas Bahu temple in um, in um, in Gwalior Madhya Pradesh. Uh, do take a look at it. Go inside, uh, visit it. It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, from top to bottom, there's nothing but beauty over here. Um, please go and visit it, and and you'll be uh, astounded if you can contribute to the education of of people around. That'll be great. Spread the knowledge with your friends, your family, and we can all join in our hands together. And the next one I want to talk about is the Buddhist monuments at Sanchi, the Bhogeshwar Temple. Uh, the 12th century temple is not only one of the finest in this village, in this region, it also offers a unique insight into the construction process of this era. The region of the town of Bhojpur can be credited to Raja uh, Bhoj, the same man who founded Bhopal in 11th century AD. Although Bhojpur clearly didn't grow in the same way Bhopal did, it does have one of the most significant heritage sites in the region, the Shiva Temple of Bogeshwar Mahadev. The 12th century Bogeshwar temples is considered to be one of the finest examples of temple architecture. Its core is an abstract representation of the deity Shiva and Linga in the temple sanctum. In 1235, a high with circumference of nearly six meters, although it's ornately carved ceiling with rock carved uh, sculptures. What makes the Bogeshwar temples particularly interesting is the evidence of how it was designed and constructed, carved on a nearly rock surface are architectural plans that would have been used as reference while the temple was being built. You can see a ramp that's that large stones would have been pulled uh, along to to construct the upper levels. Uh, another archaeological site nearby worth visiting is Ashapuri. This temple complex was built between the 9th and the 11th centuries and consists of 24 temple bases with thousands of architectural fragments scattered around the hills. Um, Ashapuri is considered, considered to be one of the most remarkable medieval temple complexes in central e India and, and there's currently a lot of work taking place to restore it. Uh, that, my dear friends, is the, the temple. And one temple that's very close to my heart and I would love for you to go and visit and help the people over there, the Mahadev Temple in Tambi Surla, that's in Goa. Uh, located um, at a distance of 65 kilometers from Panaji and Mahadev Temple is one of the most gorgeous piece of relics from the golden ages of India in Tambari Surla. The magnificent 12th century Mahadev Temple was built in Jain style. Mahadev Temple is situated is the most picturesque location with hills, granary in the backdrop. The glittering waters of the river Surla is just flight, is a fight of steps flight of steps away. This ancient temple of a long bygone era might make you forget the year you are in. If you visit, if you are a history enthusiast or simply somebody who has an eye for beauty, this place is a must visit. It is location is near the Bhagwan Mahavir Wildlife Sanctuary, Sanguem Surla Goa. Um, and I and I do hope that you will um, you will go there and visit instead of just going to the beaches because Goa does have beautiful temples uh, that existed uh, long before uh, the Abrahamic uh, world came in um, to invade this land. 
Um, there's another place in Goa that you could go to, the Salaulim Dam, my dear friend. If you've never heard of that, it is incredible. It's not a temple, but since I'm in Goa, I will um, talk to you quickly about it. The Salaulim Dam in Sangwem. Uh, the Salawim Dam lies in the Salawim River at about 5 kilometers from the Sangwem town. It is Goa's biggest man-made water storage source. That's also a favorite picnic spot for locals during the monsoons. The misty outlook of the Western Ghats against the backdrop of the dam is truly breathtaking. One can spend hours in its scenic beauty. To get the Salawim Dam, one can enjoy a 35 uh, kilometer picturesque drive from Margao. Once you cross Kuchorim and reach Sangwem, the dam lies on the Salaulim River. So this is South Goa because Margao is South Goa. Um, and and if you want to visit um, this site that I'm looking at, it's um, it's called Akrons, A-C-R-O-N, Kandaulim. Um, C-A-N-D-O-L-I-M ResortGoa.com So all these temples around there This is mainly South Goa uh, And I hope that you could Contribute to our, uh, To reviving Our Vedic civilization um, Really uh, Contributing to Helping the education and the knowledge Of the people around Because these temples were once once Ancient universities well, These temples, every temple was a school Complex before and the duty Of the temple and the temple priests Was to educate the people around uh, We know from our Ancient texts that the revenue From the villages around These temples uh, um, These temple universities And these temple uh Temples in India was um, was given uh, was uh, uh, was used for education for education and empowerment and, and knowledge of the people who lived in this area. So uh, they were not poor. Rural people were not poor. There was no rural life or city life. Every area was rural, and and they produced the greatest and the best. Uh, teachers, scholars for uh, the urban centers who would go to the urban centers and and um, and, and partake in empowering uh, the, the the region in uh, economics, in in innovation, in trade, in commerce. But this was the base. This was the root of the of our of Bharatiya life. Uh, these were the uh, this was the 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 bread and butter of life. The temples were bread and butter because they were the, the base, the foundation. They were the knowledge systems. They provided generation after generation of educated, knowledgeable people. And they were the, the, they were the machine that was, was producing the great Indians. Um, and, and that's why refugees from all over the world came to the Indian subcontinent. They didn't come uh, for no rhyme or reason because of caste and Dalit. Uh, they came because India was producing and had these this knowledge system where every temple was uh, a, a school and a complex of knowledge. Um, the invasions have taken it away. I've done exactly what... Uh, Invasions do stop our knowledge so that a river that forgets its source will dry up. They wanted to take the credit for themselves. They've taken over our temples, converted into mosques, converted into uh, converted into socialist uh, and Marxist dumps, literally, into churches. Um, 
and they've quietly kept this knowledge away from our children uh, so that we may forget and we may move on to other uh, civilizations. But their goal is to eradicate the knowledge of our ancients and, and occupy rent-free space in our mind. And that's why we're sick because our mind knows that we belong to an ancient civilization and it's time to heal, it's time to gain this knowledge back. You can contribute to, to it by visiting these temples and helping people around, uh, contributing to education, uh, contributing to commerce and helping them, forming groups to help them. So I, I hope that you can share this podcast, you can have this discussion with your friends, with your family, with your WhatsApp groups, with your social media groups. Talk to five people, ask them to talk to five people, ask those five people to talk to another five people. We can spread the knowledge to empower ourselves with knowledge um, and, and empowerment and free ourselves and liberate ourselves and celebrate real intellectual independence. Uh, if you want to go on onto the website to look at these uh, different temples, uh, on Facebook it's called Vedic Temples. Just type in Vedic Temples on Facebook and you will see um, and you will see a lot about it. Uh, so thank you so much for your time. I wish you a great, great Independence Day. Freedom from, uh, from, from suffering, freedom from uh, ignorance, freedom from uh, slavery, freedom of our mind, freedom from our dharma and onto dharma, uh, our duty to ourselves and to us, our knowledge, our civilization and empowering people to heal. So thank you very much for your time. I hope you have a great day. Cheers, my friends. Stay safe and and uh, till we meet and see you tomorrow.